Hello everybody and welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football Podcast. I'm Mark Goldbridge, joined by Will Brazier, who will speak in a moment, but I will speak first because Arsenal roast Liverpool in the biggest game of the season. Is it now a three-way? Is it a threesome? Is it a three-horse race? Also, Pochettino's in all sorts of problems at Chelsea. Will the media jump on Pochettino like they've been jumping on Ten Hag all season? Is his sacking inevitable? And also, let's have a look at that top four race. Is it Spurs and Villas? Or could Manchester United's renaissance get them involved? Or maybe Newcastle as well? We've got some fantastic either-ors. All I'm going to say is Saka or Foden will. Don't tell us your thoughts now. Just introduce yourself. Yes, I'm Will Brazier. It's great to be here. Some big games at the weekend. Blues last I had the displeasure of sitting with numerous Villa fans to watch them destroy Sheffield United. And huge news in wrestling, Mark. I don't know if you see it. I'm absolutely livid. Might be an either-or later on. But The Rock or Cody Rhodes, I'd love to get your thoughts later down the line. But let's start with that bloody title race. Yes, I don't know in wrestling who's the goody and who's the baddie because I like The Rock and I've never heard of Cody Rhodes, but um, maybe we will cut that out or or, or discuss it. But uh, look, it's Arsenal-Liverpool. It's a roasting for Liverpool. We spoke about this before the game. Uh, A lot of people have spoken about it. I know it's Tuesday morning. We don't do reviews. You can find other shows for that. What we do is bigger topics. We're here to say football. Who is going to save us, Will, from Manchester City winning four in a row? You like what I did there? Moved it away from a review into a bigger topic. Yeah, and I honestly think that Arsenal and Liverpool can be in prime position to do that. Like Arsenal's performance, I've spoken to you last Friday's episode trying to get apologies out of you for Newcastle, for Luton. Well, I think we both owe a big apology for Arsenal after the weekend because both going into that game, let me finish, Mark, uh, going into that game, both of us said Liverpool to win. I said quite comfortably, I can't remember what you said, but you were definitely on the same lines. And it was their best performance of the season. But... All in all, that did come down to two big mistakes from two of their biggest players. So I still think we can't write off Liverpool because of that recency bias. I just think we're in for a lovely threesome. Yeah, and I I am not going to apologise to Arsenal. And I know Arsenal fans won't expect one because what I did say, and I, I can't speak for Will, what I did say on Friday was that I think Liverpool will win, but I, I can't believe the, 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 the volume of noise about how easily they'll win and I'll tell you a story Will because I've got a show on a Saturday night on Talk Sport Liverpool fans were calling in saying easy easy and then Arsenal fans were calling in and saying no chance no chance so there, there was this weird momentum around Liverpool winning the game and I think we predicted Liverpool would win it but I don't think we predicted they'd win it in a oh they'll definitely win it was just a feeling but a lot of people would just say, like, Liverpool are playing really well, they're going to go and win. And, and and that's not this Premier League. How many results have we had this season? Like when Man City went to Chelsea in November and Chelsea got a 4 all draw. Or when Luton go to Newcastle and get a draw. Like, there's so It's such a competitive league. Arsenal are a good side at the Emirates. And what Arteta did was he did roast Liverpool in that game. He prepared all week. They were the better team. There was some mistakes there was some weird decisions but across the game thankfully there was no decision that really altered the game and there was no mistake that really altered the game I think Arsenal from minute one were creating more chances to minute 90 and Liverpool really struggled and um, Arsenal I think went into that game will with the with the mentality of like almost like a relegation battle that they had that mentality of that their season rested on this result and 
Liverpool just couldn't respond to it. Uh, and therefore, by you know, by the 70th minute, I, I was like, Arsenal are going to win this. And actually, I'm not surprised. It's just one of those things. Liverpool need to respond. Yeah, and also, speaking of recency bias, we're going to come on to Chelsea in a bit, but I think maybe my sort of prediction was shrouded a little bit in terms of Chelsea destroying Chelsea, but Liverpool destroying Chelsea, but in terms of like... No, I think you were right the first time. Chelsea, Chelsea, are are destroy- Chelsea are destroying Chelsea. It's, it's an, in- yeah, it's an inside internally, job. Aren't they? Well, yeah, um, I, and I think... I think they've they've come on that that was that was based on that decision basically. So I think yeah, Arsenal maybe took that into consideration going into the pre-game as well. And there we did. Jorginho was fantastic. All the people that you needed to be on it in that sort of defensive um, a, a midfield battle that they sort of overcome that. And even when Jurgen Klopp sort of tried to mix it up at the start of the second half, where they had about two or three minutes of success, but then Arsenal sort of roared back, didn't they? So it's interesting, and I'm still not fully convinced that Manchester City are going to run away with it like we're expecting because they because of the suspensions to Rodri because of where the squad is at now they've got a full complement they're charging forward but they're still so long to play in the season where one suspension one injury can turn a game like we've seen so far so that's why I'm hopeful yeah uh, sorry I didn't mention it in the intro I have had a massive interview this week with Rasmus Hoyland which is uh, which is now out on YouTube which I will want to ask me a few questions about the quiz is heating up as well and also I want to ask a question about mobile phones we will talk more about it later in the show but the question is should we live in zones that are mobile phone free now we were talking about Rashford last week in hotels and restaurants and clubs apparently will where footballers go and if you go into those clubs they take your phone off you uh, I was down the pub the other night and um we were a couple of lads and we were basically saying right um let's agree to put our phones in our pockets for the next hour and it was actually quite refreshing to just chat away well Do you think this is a positive thing get in the chat yeah just on that as well uh just to round that up as well friend of yours and friend of mine robbie knox has a great game where you everyone has to put their phone in the middle of the table sort of stacked on each other like dominoes uh whoever takes their phone first then has to buy the next round just as that extra incentive great great we'll delve into this a little bit more because i quite like it but anyway back to the title talk will made a good point there about man city i i think that the big winner yesterday was Manchester City uh, in the sense that they win a couple of games and they're top and then at the top we know what they can do they're that juggernaut of course but look in defence of Liverpool I think they've been brilliant over the last month they haven't got Salah they haven't got Saboslai Trent had to go at half time because he's not fully fit Bradley missed the game unfortunately I think because of his passing of his father on the weekend so Robertson's not quite back yet um I think Liverpool went into that game will really confident, but Arsenal are very rarely going to have a team come to the Emirates, play a high line and be able to counter-attack them. And that was because Liverpool came as favourites. And I'm not saying Klopp should have played a different way, but I I, I was actually um, predicting the games for win, lose or draw this next weekend. And I, I, I've got West Ham to get a result against Arsenal at West Ham because they'll play completely differently and Arsenal have to break them down. So, yeah, I think Liverpool are still for me the main threat for the title and as I said last week and I'll say it again because I think a lot of people are going to say it I think if you put Ollie Watkins in that Arsenal side I'd fancy them but I don't think they'll do it and I think when you see Arteta running around like he's won the trophy and the players reacting like that I think it's because they've kept their season alive and they've got every right to do that but I still think Liverpool are the ones that could push City. The biggest thing going into the title race will be consistency. And if you had to rank them in order of that, you'd obviously put Manchester City on the in top. But mm. I would say Liverpool are second to that and not far off them at all because 
we forget recording this on a Monday after a weekend where Arsenal have dominated Liverpool. That was Liverpool's second defeat of the season. And as we've said on this podcast before, that Spurs game obviously was the biggest debacle in VAR history and probably will be ever going forward. So I th- I still think Liverpool will... I, I think it'll be a two-horse race. I think yesterday is just that a bit of a blip. You won't get a performance like Van Dijk and Alisson in the same game like that again for Liverpool. And maybe if you sort of been playing devil's advocate for Liverpool, like this is the perfect time. You want to win, but like that performance could come as a shake-up and maybe they could go on a Manchester City-esque run now of just total dominance going forward. Yeah, I, I, I won't forget about this because Goldbridge saves football. That's what our podcast is all about and we will not forget it. So you don't need to put it in the comments. But I bet Howard Webb wakes up nearly every night going, no, no. And then his wife, if he is married, I don't, I don't want to speculate, actually, you can't do that in these days, but whoever he's in bed with next to him, um, and don't get in the comments about that. We don't need to speculate that about that either. It's like, calm down, Howard, calm down. Is it the dream about Liverpool losing the title by two points again? Yes, it is. Don't worry, it won't happen. Pep will get them firing, they'll win by 20 points and you'll be fine. But, but, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, that is something that must really worry Howard Webb and the PGMOL because it's... <laughs> If it is a close title race and Liverpool win it by two points, oh my God, Will, it's not worth I mean, even, let's be fair, Arsenal, if Arsenal were to lose it by two points, I still think that that was a foul by on Gabriel at St. James's Park as well, but it's not as big as the Liverpool one. But they, there must be a few noses, uh, some arses twitching like a bunny's nose, should I say, at uh, PGML OL headquarters. I actually heard rumours that Howard Webb actually sleeps and spends most of his day uh, just walking around with a constant communication to Stockley Park with an earpiece in. So it actually does plague his life more than you know. So it's quite quite intimidating for him. I tell you what, I had a weird dream on Friday night. Um, I was um, I haven't really not had the one with me to... again, is it? No, no, thank God. I, I tell you what, I woke up. I, I'm not talking about that thing that everyone was talking about on the weekend. All I'd say is my, my yeah, me and my mates. That. Yeah, that's not. Apparently, Ben Foster said to me that that's quite normal behaviour amongst mates when they're drunk. I said, well, I don't want to be your friend. But the point, anyway, we're not delving into that. That's a podcast in itself. But um, the dream I had, I went out on Friday night for a few drinks, as I was saying about the phone. I haven't had a drink properly really since Christmas. I've had one or two, but not like a a lad's night out. And um, anyway, (laughs) this is what drink does to you. I had a dream that me and you were being, we're in a club in a pub in Manchester, having a, just talking about the podcast, right? Gary Neville walks in with a load of people, sees me, sends the people to our table, and they basically said, he said, you've got to leave because he owns the pub. So you're really placid and go, yeah, we're just finishing up anyway. And I go, well, I'll just let me just finish my drink. <laughs> They're really nice, apart from this one girl, w- woman, who goes, move now. And I went, there's no need to be rude. Anyway, she tries to push me. So I just did a police move on her and just twisted her arm up behind her back. And uh, anyway, some of Neville's mates pull, pull guns out. So I'm just like, take her to the door. Will, run, run, run. And then I just shoved her into them and we legged it. And we're just running across um, Manchester. But I can't run because it's a dream. You know, if you've tried that in a, when you're trying to run fast in a dream, I can't run. So I figured out the best way to run in a dream is to turn around and run backwards. So I'm, I'm giving a running commentary to you going, they're getting closer, they're getting closer. Anyway, we split up. We end up on a canal in the middle of nowhere. I think I'm safe. And then someone, one of Neville's mates jumps out of the bloody bush and um, I had to shoot him. Don't know where I got a gun from. <laughs> and and then, I, then I just threw it in the canal and went for a run and woke up. Well, I just woke well up I'm glad in that sort of analogy. 
don't know what happened I'm, to you. I'm the placid one still. It comes in. I, li- I like to think you got away, but somehow I think you might be sleeping with the fishers because uh, you're probably wow. not as ruthless as me. So Neville is in your head in more ways than one. <laughs> I don't know where it came. And that's what I just woke up the next morning. And I said to the wife, like, um, you won't believe this dream. And uh, she didn't. She said that never happened. So <laughs> why would I make it up? Okay. Anyway, back to the show. Um, yeah, uh, we, we've spoken about that. But I, I know this is a contender for Pratt of the Week, but I'm, I'm calling it in now. Pratt of the Week comment from Mark about the two Canate yellow cards. So I read the tweet in my voice because it's my tweet. This ref, dot, 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 neither of those are yellows. So sad how referees constantly make big names about them. I don't think I'm, that's a Pratt comment. I mean, the, the first one was um, the, the body check, wasn't it? I think on the way through. And then, and then the second one, they were on the on the break. Yeah, the the one they were through on goal, and then the other one was a break. So they're two yellow cards that are absolutely spot on. Nah, I think Havertz is a shit house. Um, I think he does it on purpose. I think actually he fouls Canate first on the first one, and then the second one he goes down clutching his face when it never even touches it. I thought they were both soft. Ultimately, it doesn't make any difference to the game. Liverpool weren't going to win anyway. But now Arsenal fans when I tweeted that were in my replies, but this is what about context is really important because I was generally unhappy with the referee. I don't like Anthony Taylor. I think he's a terrible referee who makes it all about himself. And yet again, in the biggest game of the season, I think he booked four or five Arsenal players for dissent. And I'm like, it's the biggest well, game of the ben season. Ben White as well, didn't he, for that one? It was mental. Yeah. And I'm like, it's the biggest game of the season and you're, you're trialling dissent yellow cards again. And yet, when I watch Man City, never a yellow card. And that really... I think <clears throat> the 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 Canate thing probably was just the straw that broke the camel's back. If you look at it in isolation, I suppose you could say I'm a prat. But I just fed up with Anthony Taylor. And it wasn't about Liverpool. It was it was more about Arsenal. Like, the, the bookings for dissent. I'm like, he booked Nunez for one as well. I'm like, it's the biggest game of the season. Players are allowed to show emotion. We saw Arsenal fans. We saw Arsenal manager showing emotion. We want to see more of that. It's not dissent when a player throws his arm on the ground when he thinks it's a bloody foul in the first second afterwards. Dissent to me is carrying it on. You can't just completely eliminate emotion. I think it's a great point, actually. This is what we do on this podcast. We're trying to save football. Should a player get a booking for dissent in the immediate second after a foul when they go, fuck off, not a foul? Like, I don't think that's dissent. I think that's natural reaction. You can't bottle that up. You've got to let it out. So. And Anthony Taylor just strikes me. I, mean, I know Michael Oliver did it at Anfield with Delo as well. I just, I just think that's not dissent. Well, also it might tie into a little bit which we're going to come on to next about Jamie Carragher and sort of going in on the Arsenal celebrations with the photographer at the end. But I do think mm. there's a wider point, and even maybe ties into a bit about what we do of like, are are we taking the fun out of football a little bit because not by focusing on the negatives, but when there is joy it almost becomes a talking point in itself and I don't think Carragher was wrong yesterday because to put the con- context in for Carragher he's a Liverpool fan sat in the studio just off the back of a big defeat in the title yeah. race so of course he's right to react about that but then I also don't think and it's just because we're talking about it yeah exactly but we're talking about it in a different way in terms of what like you should be allowed to enjoy the football, enjoy that, and it just doesn't need this big talking point about you know a, a cameraman getting involved and Odegaard having a nice time in that isolated incident. Yeah, I, I think, look, the great thing about football is there's there's lots of different opinions and I was listening to the radio this morning and 
um, they were saying, oh, you know, Ian Wright was going off about Carragher saying, let us enjoy it, let us enjoy it. And I'm like, well, actually, Ian Wright's right and Carragher's right. You know, yeah. Liverpool fans have to find solace in a defeat and they can do that by mocking the way Liverpool Arsenal reacted to the win. Arsenal fans can justifiably say that's a massive game-changing, season-defining win for us. If you can't enjoy these things... I mean, imagine Arsenal fans, just uh, players just walk off Oh, well done, well done, crowd, walk off. And then the season yeah, ends yeah. badly. You're never going to get that moment. So you should enjoy it. I, I don't think there's a wrong interpretation of it. I've always been a big fan of Arteta. I thought the way he celebrated the third one was a little bit over the top. But everybody reacts in different ways to things, don't they? And um, therefore, you leave yourself open to it. Of course, that's going to come and bite Arsenal in the, on the back. They're going to have a bad result where everyone's going to laugh at them. Of course, that's the way football is. In which case, is it not more of a reason to celebrate these things when they happen? I just think, take your opinion and, and run with it. I think it was a little... I didn't, I didn't think the Odegaard with the camera guy was bad. I think the only thing that I, as a fan of Arteta, I did find his celebrations a little bit over the top. But many an Arsenal fan have said to me, he's really over the top. And I think the problem with Arteta is some people don't know whether it's personality or pantomime. Um, but ultimately, you know, um, Arsenal with a better team. Liverpool have got a lot to play for. And it, it leads to an interesting title race. But also, it's a bit like in this day and age of social media, it's like you get held accountable for having certain celebrations at certain times. It's a bit like me, I was leading my fantasy football race at home last year by about about 100 points, about, no, about 50 points. My best mate Nick was eighth. He was texting me halfway through the season and I texted him back going, no, I'm not speaking to you, mate. You're eighth and I'm not talking about fantasy football. He ended up winning the league. I mean, and that group chat was covered with receipts, receipts of me going in. So you have got to be careful. But I just think, act in the moment, be fresh, do what you want. And if Arteta wants to jump for joy, jump for joy. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with that. Um, from one London club to another, um, Chelsea, I'm sure, would not be expecting to be in the situation that they're in at the moment. And don't worry, we are going to be talking about Man United, um, Erasmus and the Goldbridge effect, actually, because there's a direct correlation between the interview and the resurgence of Man United. And I just put it down to the fact that I shook his hand on the Wednesday and on Thursday he scored and Sunday he scored. And now everyone, you know... Get me more involved, I'd say. But on Chelsea, Will, what are your thoughts? Because it was sort of a... In a, in some ways for Chelsea, they're probably quite lucky that the Arsenal-Liverpool game was going on. They were also playing at the same time as Man United. There are other headlines to go. I mean, I haven't even done my reaction really to it until today because it was all about Arsenal-Liverpool and it's a title race. But that's a shocking result for Chelsea to get turned over so severely again at Stamford Bridge and... I just, I, I don't understand it. I don't think Podge is a great manager, but I, I thought they'd be doing better than this. Yeah, and firstly, I think a lot of us do it as well when we talk about Chelsea, but like Wolves put on an absolute clinic in that game and they've been doing so well this season. And like yeah. I mentioned it on the Friday show going into that game because we hadn't recorded before Man United Wolves and obviously that was a classic, but yeah. Wolves a 10th at the moment. And we both, well, I definitely had them in my bottom three and the job that Gary O'Neill is doing is absolutely fantastic. Selling all their assets, keeping themselves in line with FFPP. So that needs to be shouted about. But it's almost Jacqueline and Hyde, isn't it? Because you go to Chelsea and all the resources that they've got, not only just the money spent, but you think even their youth system is so far in advance, the amount of players that they've got on loan with that global network across the world. Like this is a club that has infrastructure to be top six, top four, and should definitely not be 11th shelf where they are. So 
there's no, it's a bit like when we were talking about Ten Hag a couple of weeks ago in terms of what's the style, what's the identity, because Poch is all over the place with that. And also, if I was a Chelsea fan, a little bit, very placid in the sort of post-match interviews, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'd want a little bit of, not to the fact where we had Wayne Rooney sort of digging all 11 out, but just the something to gravitate to a little bit because it's not right and it's it doesn't feel like it's going to change. No, I think... Um... I think his sacking could be inevitable, which is, I, I I suppose we've all been there as fans. You're a Blues fan. United hasn't been great in recent years. Yeah, we've been very successful, but football is very uh, recency biased, as we all know. And it doesn't matter whether you've won a treble or 20 titles. When you haven't won one for 10 years, you don't sit there and go, oh, well, at least we've won it before. You know, everything's very recent. And Chelsea have recently won the Champions League, more recently than any other English club other than Man City and now you look at where they are and that fall off is incredible and it shouldn't happen but I do think that Todd Bowley has just got the wrong advice around him some really bad decisions because to walk into a club and spend a billion really you should have a statue (laughs) built but it's just been run so badly and I think that the immediate concern is that Pochettino's not a terrible coach I don't think he's good enough to win titles I've always said that but he is good enough to get Chelsea in the top four and to be so far away it's got to a point where it's funny and now I'm looking at it and going seriously what what is wrong with Chelsea because it's funny to lose at home to Forest it's funny that they're not in the top four race but that they're, 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 you know, they're now in the bottom half of the table. Teams like Wolves are better than them. How is that happening when you've got Casido, Enzo Fernandez, Raheem Sterling, Thiago Silva? Um, and to have, I know we're, we're sort of combining Prats of the Week this week in, instead of having a specific section maybe, but to have Thiago Silva's wife coming out, for me, the book always stops with the players. Um, you can say that Pochettino is not a great coach, but I think his CV suggests that he is. And I put this on the players. There's too many good players then for them to be in the bottom half of the table. But also, you speak. we speak about the money spent and the, res- the resources that they've got as well. And they're more far advanced on in Newcastle in terms of their journey. But even with the amount of money that Newcastle have spent, they've done so well in terms of, right, we're not the experts. Who is the best person at recruitment? Right, we'll get Dan Ashworth in. Who is the best coach for this current crop of players to get more out? Right, we'll get Eddie Howe in. Whereas Chelsea, I think, probably misaligned a bit on, obviously, Graham Potter. Pochettino felt like the right appointment, but he's just walking into absolute chaos. So they've done it. They just keep doing it wrong. And it feels like they're so far the other way. How do you turn this ship around right now? What's this Mudrick calling out a fan on Instagram stuff? I can't actually quite read it, even with my glasses on. So give us the backstory to this, because... I think it's always funny that, um, and look, on the Rasmus interview, I asked him about social media and uh, to be fair to him, he acknowledged it and said, look, I've grown up with it. It's probably why he's aware of me and my career mode and stuff, because I've been doing that for quite a few years now and Rasmus is 20. So, you know, he might have been a 15 year old in in Denmark watching my career mode as a Man United fan. And so therefore the younger generation now, they're locked into social media, aren't they? So it's always interesting I think if you're a Harry Maguire or, or whatever, you might not have grown up with it, but so you can avoid it. But I think the younger player does, but then they can fall into the trap of liking a post or something like that. And if you liked it, you may as well have wrote it. So, so what's this all about, Will? Well, so I think what obviously we don't condone abusing players, but Chelsea fans gone into Mudrich's DMs and said, "What the fuck's going on with you? Did you forget how to play football?" And then he's got a reply by Mudrich saying. 
come and play me in a 1v1 for a thousand pounds then the, the Chelsea fans gone you know I'll give you t- I'll give you money every time you score mate we just want Chelsea fans to do better and then he said are you good at football um and he's basically screenshotted it and uh you know he's having a a DM battle which you never want to battle in your DMs I was going to say it's uh, it's ridiculously naive by Mudrick and the Chelsea fan is probably wrong to be honest you're always wrong when you send when you share a private message I, I i don't like that i don't like that i've seen people do that and i think it's a it's a betrayal of trust but mudrick shouldn't be doing that anyway and i think mudrick represents a problem at chelsea not he is an individual but he is a collective they bought these players on massive contracts on massive wages on long contracts and they've done it about six seven times well yeah you might get away, you might get away with it with one but you buy six, seven, eight players on long contracts, on big wages. What are the chances that some of them come in and aren't up to it? Haven't got the right mentality. I just think their recruitment's... Things could get a lot worse for Chelsea, that's what I'm saying. And I do think that Pochettino will be sacked because ultimately you can see some Chelsea fans talking about Mourinho and stuff. And it's always the manager. But we've learned this at United, even though there are people at United that want Ten Hag to be sacked. I and many others are like, we can't just keep doing this. Like it might be it might be a bumpy ride, but we've got to stick with the manager. And I think Chelsea have to try and do that as well. And also, just to wrap this whole segment up, the sort of the Mudrich point highlights really well with Arsenal because what I think I'm getting this correct, when Mudrich was about to sign for Arsenal and then Chelsea sort of hijacked the deal and all Chelsea fans were celebrating. Well, in that window, I think Arsenal ended up getting Trossard from Brighton for obviously much less mm, fee, much less contract, much less spent. And then you think at the the weekend he comes on as an impact sub, rounds up the game for Arsenal and job done. And that's the thing about Chelsea. It's like, you know, Mudrick, Arsenal wanted him, Chelsea swooped in. Liverpool wanted Casido and Lavia. Chelsea get both of them in the summer and you think, oh, look at Chelsea. Look at Chelsea now and look at where Liverpool are. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's like Chelsea have bought players that other clubs were looking at. And yet, Liverpool haven't got Casido and Lavia. They've gone for different players and they're in a title race. Arsenal didn't get Mudrick and they're back in a title race again. It's incredible. And also, look, Chelsea fans, this is your next five Premier League games. Crystal Palace away on a Monday night at Sellers Park. Ooh. Man City away. I'd love you to get something. I really would, but that's tough. Then Brentford away. That's tough. Then Newcastle at home. Then Arsenal away. I mean, he's only, and, and that takes you up to the international break. And... Obviously, the Carabao Cup is probably why Poch is going to stay in a job till the end of February. But as I said, Will, what what are your thoughts? I don't think it should happen, but I think they've already lost 10 games. I look at their next five Premier League games. I look at the Carabao Cup. They've got Villa on Wednesday night in in the... I think the sacking's inevitable because I can't see him turning the ship around and it gets to a point where a manager has to be sacked when he's lost 13 games before April. Well, it feels like the shouts are getting a little bit louder as well because of the poor results and then the news from Rome where Jose Mourinho leaves. And I don't agree he's the right appointment. No. But if you're a Chelsea fan feeling emotional right now, you sort of turn to that and you think, well, maybe to the end of the season we can just turn this around with Jose. But I just think those games as well, three, the next three Premier League games away from home, I I could see him really picking up zero points in that one as well. So if we get to the point of that, yeah, it is inevitable. And where do you go next? Let us know in the chat. Where would you go next if you're Chelsea? Because I think the sacking is inevitable. 
And I've always said this, even with Ten Hag, I didn't want him to get sacked. But if you keep losing, you have to be sacked. And I think we're heading towards that with Chelsea. Completely agree with Will. Mourinho is a short-term manager who uses experienced players. And Chelsea is a long-term project with young players. So that's not going to work. I've heard the name Hansi Flick. The problem is, I, I don't think... Uh, look, a change is good sometimes. Players can... We know what players are like. They, 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 when a manager gets sacked, they've got a point to prove. But oh, I don't know. It's a mess at Chelsea. And to be, to be honest, sacking Pochettino, Potter... Tuchel in the space of 18 months and getting another manager in I mean it's just not looking good just on just finally finally on that as well I think even with all the bad results sticking with Eric Ten Hag you're seeing the fruits of the labour now where the where he's got that core players he can sort of trust on and like mm. we've had it at Blues where if you then sack the manager you're just backing that core group of like bad players in the dressing room so you do end up in that cycle where if you can stick with them he can just keep weeding these players out and hopefully United with I mean, very exciting, isn't it? Now we've got Nacho, Hoyland, uh, Mainu. It's like a completely mm. new team and something to get behind. Yeah, well, I think with Man United, two really good results and it can change it around. This is the great thing about when you have midweek Premier League games because if you get a couple of wins, it changes things really massively. United were sort of down with Chelsea and Newcastle. We're now sixth outright. We've gone past West Ham with that result and we're looking up at that Villa game. And I think from... Ten Hag has been saying it and some United fans have agreed that, yeah, it's been a really bad season, but I've had key players out. And with Casemiro, Martinez and Luke Shaw back for those two games, suddenly the team was very different. And then you've got the three youngsters, the new batch in Ganacho, Hoyland and Mainu, who clearly are very exciting players. And suddenly the balance of the team looks a lot better. And lo and behold, United start playing better. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I think there's a few teams like that. It's like Newcastle as well, isn't it? I mean, they beat Villa away. Then they draw at home to Luton. With all due respect, they'd expect to win that. Anthony Gordon gets injured. He's probably been arguably their best player of the season. It's um, It's been a weird season. You know, whilst we talk about Liverpool, Arsenal and City going for the title, there are other clubs that have really struggled this season. Yeah, and uh, I think Chelsea are the epitome of that because they currently sit 11th or 12th as of recording. And that is just not on. No matter what's going on at the club, that is not on. Um, Mark, if it's all right for you, I'd like to hear from our halftime sponsors. I just want to bring in this mobile phone thing because I, I really I like reading the Spotify comments and they're always quite varied. So, um, yeah, I'm sure people will be talking about the weird dream and lots of stuff we've been talking about. But very, very quickly on this one, I like what Will said about Robbie Knox as well. Um, should phones be banned in certain situations? Um, we've heard that uh, certain clubs in London and Manchester will take their phone off you if you go in those clubs because certain footballers or celebrities might be in there and they don't want them to be filmed, which I find quite funny because you still get what happened with that Belfast barmaid who sells the story and does an interview anyway. Um, so sometimes having the video might be useful to say that didn't happen. But um, I was out on Friday night and uh, we had a sort of an agreement that for the next hour, we'd just put the phones on the floor, uh, not on the floor, but on the table and or in the pocket and not look at them. Uh, they were allowed to be on vibrate, but only if you like got an emergency call, you couldn't have a vibrate for a message. And it was actually quite nice to live in the moment, have a drink, chat about and not go on your phone. Um, what are your thoughts on this at home? Uh, what are your points, thoughts on this listeners? Do you think in certain situations, uh, life's better without a phone? And it should be suspended. Will. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that because I was around one a mate's home at the weekend. We just had Gillette Soccer Saturday on. Uh, I texted you, it's actually one goal off um, uh, eight-fold accumulator, but more on that later. Um, but people were sat there on the phone. We were watching Gillette Soccer Saturday and people were on their phones who had flash scores on and they were getting the flash scores before the Gillette. I said, uh, really? we're here, sat here watching a Vidi printer. So let's just respect the Vidi printer and yeah. give it the course and respect it deserves rather than getting it on your phone because we can all have a moment here. If Charlton score and 500 quid comes in the bank, I want to see that on the Vidi printer, not on your phone. So I'm completely in agreement with you. And just for the Spotify audience as well, off the back of the Gary Neville stuff, I would say, what is the weirdest dream you've ever had? The more descriptive you are, the more likely we are to read it out as well. Yeah, that's not Nothing too have... sexy though. That, and that, that, that dream did happen. I mean, obviously, yeah, he's, he's in my head, isn't he? But uh, yeah, I think... Um, I think as well when it when it comes to the to the phone stuff as well. If you're if if you if 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 you if someone's got a phone out, that they're going to ruin it, aren't they? That's as simple as that. If you're watching a game yeah. together and they ruin it, that's 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 absolutely spot on. I think that like last night I was watching that um, Masters of the Air because I liked Band of Brothers and the other one. Oh, and, is it good? Um, yeah, I've only watched episode one. I really enjoyed it. And uh, normally I've got the phone next to me, but it, I had to charge it, so I'd left it in my studio uh, room charging and. I just left it there for an hour and a half and I just watched the telly and I had no thought about my phone. Whereas normally I'd be picking it up every 15 minutes and seeing if I have a message. It is quite liberating, but let us know your comments. Lovely stuff. Um, Should we do an either or? Because I've got a cracking either or for us here. Um, uh, What what, what do you think we should go for? Uh, Let's start with your ones because I think it comes off the back of the weekend where I dropped one of these players in my fantasy team and I felt the the blade sharpen in my back. What you got then? What do you want to start with? Foden or Saka. I put Saka on the bench in my fantasy. I bought in Jota this weekend. Naively thought Jota would sort of carry on that rich frame of form. But Bakayo Saka, goals and assists this season, absolutely through the roof. He's having a fantastic season. Foden plays tonight, so recency bias, we have to take out the window. So is it who would you rather have for Manchester United, I'd say for you, Mark, Foden or Saka? Yeah, uh, we did this this weekend on that football and it was really close in the audience. I never said which way I'd go, but I have been thinking about this and I would go Saka for Manchester United because, uh, look, Ganacho's been really good on the right, but there's an argument that Ganacho's also our best left winger, so you could put him on the left anyway and put uh, Saka on the right. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Saka. Um, I think he carries a lot of uh, responsibility at Arsenal on some very young shoulders and uh, very, very, very much a big fan of his. But it was interesting how close it is with Foden because Foden, to me, is much improved this season and he's you know starting to take over that responsibility that's been left by the void of De Bruyne. Um, ridiculously talented player, there's no doubt about that. But what I would say where, where Foden's lacking a little bit is he just doesn't have the um, precision or decision-making of a De Bruyne. I think sometimes he picks the ball up 30 yards out and De Bruyne sort of offers the ability to shoot, whereas I don't think Foden's shooting from distances is anywhere near as good. Um, I go Saka over Foden, yeah. 
Well, also, it could be a case where them two are sort of competing for that England spot on the right wing. But I, what I would say is the most times I've enjoyed Phil Foden is sort of when he comes from a little bit deeper and sort of takes the ball, takes a man on and really bursts into the box. So if we could get him in that number 10 role, if it is going to be there for England, but then maybe he's up against Jude Bellingham. So the best problem is that we've got problems for England. I would probably go for Bakaya Saka just for all-round play, all-round form, all-round consistency. And all-round, he'd be great to sit around the pub with and put phones in the middle because he seems like a lovely lad. Yeah, yeah, lovely stuff. Next. Uh, we've got Garnacho or Martinelli. Great weekend for both, but which way are you swaying in this one? Well, similarly to you, Garnacho is one of my FPL picks and I put him on the bench because uh, I've got Palmer, Saka, De Bruyne and Gordon. And obviously Garnacho, I, I didn't put him on the bench for any reason. I just sort of like went, mm, who do I think will get more? And looking at the fixtures, I was like, I think West Ham United might be low scoring. So Ganacho uh, had a great weekend. Martinelli was superb against Arsenal. His work rate is incredible. Um, I think right here, right now, Martinelli may be the better player. Maybe. But on potential, Ganacho is the better player. Uh, I would go Ganacho, obviously, because I'm a Man United fan. But I think that. He's a lot younger, Ganacho, than Martinelli, isn't he? And I think that to be the senior winger at Man United, because I think he is the most consistent winger at Man United this season. And you've got 80 million Anthony, you've got Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho's now at Dortmund. I, don't, I think people underestimate the start of the season. Ganacho would be considered the youth option that might get games here and there. And now he's the best right winger and arguably the best left winger that we've got at the club. So... I just think Ganacho's growth over the last 18 months has been incredible. And for a 19-year-old, what can he do in the next 18 months? Because as we all know, you get a lot bigger when you hit 20, 21, 22. So I'll go Ganacho over Martinelli, but there's no, there's no doubting Martinelli this season specifically has really kicked on. Yeah, I'm not washing the car here, but I'm definitely going to go for Garnacho in this one just because I think he's got more of the flashes of brilliance. No more so highlighted, obviously, with the bicycle kick this season. Oh, but yeah. I think 1v1, I'd much rather have Garnacho. Um, and then just with that longevity, I think maybe it's more because we've got to see what's to come from him. I think that's why I'm going for Garnacho. Yeah, uh, got another one here as well, which I'd, I'd be interested to get your opinion on this one. Um, Newcastle or Manchester United, who finishes higher? Now, Man United have had the better. Well, Newcastle went to Aston Villa and won, which I, I just shows what happens when you write Newcastle off, doesn't it? But uh, United have had a good couple of wins, but obviously they've got Villa to come. Um, fixtures will equal themselves out. Of course they will. Who do you think will finish higher this season, Newcastle or Manchester United? Well, when I saw this initially, my thoughts were we're going to go to Newcastle United. But you think both teams are now out of Europe fully, aren't they? Newcastle haven't got Europa League, have they? They're fully out like you. They've finished bottom. So both teams, they're both on an even playing field like that. So then I think you take on the squads. I think we did that 11, joint 11 a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? When it was Newcastle, Manchester United. And it was was more made up by Newcastle players. Mm -hmm. However, I would say with the emergence of youth, uh, the options that Manchester United have, the way that Rasmus is clicking now, and still the injury concerns and the drop off as well of like the sorts of Dan Burns and other players like that, I probably would go Manchester United just because when you get, I think they can start cooking. I can really think they can start cooking now. And actually, I was just looking at the league table there. It shows you how quickly things can turn around. It's actually a five-point gap between Newcastle and Man United now, which is not insignificant. So, yeah, I'm going to go United. But what I will say is 
even though I'm a United fan, I'm not unrealistic to the fact that it's been a real roller coaster season for us and Newcastle. I think whatever happens between now and the summer, I think there has to be an element of sympathy to, you know, you compare Newcastle and United to maybe Arsenal and Liverpool in regards to injuries, etc. But that's not always an excuse. I think it I think it probably comes down to that again. We've seen that Martinelli injury at the not Martinelli, Martinez injury. Arsenal fans were shitting themselves then. Um Martinez for Man United He's played basically two games this season and he could be out for the rest of the season with that knee injury. He's so important. United pick up another injury to a Casemiro or a Bruno or someone like that. We don't really have a squad. Whereas Eddie Howe, to be fair, has done immensely well considering they don't really... I sometimes look at their bench and I go, who? So, yeah, I wouldn't write Newcastle out of it, but I think Man United will finish higher. Well, let's move on and let's talk about it a bit more because um, if you're just fans of That's Football or fans of the podcast, you might not know what's going on at the United stand. But uh, to give Mark his flowers, I think what the kids say, last week he sat down with Rasmus Hoyland. First of all, a fantastic interview. It was. Again, I'm not just washing his car. But one of the interesting questions I thought that came from it as well was you were asking him, who would you rather receive a ball from? David Beckham whipping one in or Paul Scholes? And I thought, you know, it's got to be David Beckham here. You'd be on the end of those mm. crosses. But he went for Paul Scholes. What was he like? What was the day like? How are you feeling? Are you going to be the new Michael Parkinson? What's going on? Well, look, obviously, I think, first of all, you've got to be try and be creative with your questioning because this was done at Carrington with Manchester United and Rasmus. Um, obviously, I'm not going to give you the details about how it came about because that's that's private. But um, it's it's took a long time to get to this point. And then when you get to this point, as you know, Will, you can't just walk in and go, you know, who's the biggest knobhead in the dressing room? You know, there's a level of professionalism <laughs> We've there. Tried. And your questions do get filtered before. So that's that's the choice you make. And for people who go, I wouldn't bother, but well, you would. So I sort of was thinking with the Beckham or Skulls question, with Rasmus, there's always been this doesn't get any service. So I was sort of going down that line to say, Man United don't really put many crosses in for him. So does he? Is that what he wants or what? So he he was basically saying that he likes the ball over the top, sort of to run onto or into his feet. So you know that that was his choice without prompting. I I actually thought that like you as a striker, those Beckham crosses would be great to get on the end of, especially him being a left footer from the right hand side. It's perfect, isn't it? But uh, he said he also liked the he, he liked the skulls one. Um, what was he like as a person? Um, really, really um, in, inspiring actually as a, as a United fan because look, you don't know what's going to happen and I'm sure if I sat down with Marcus Rashford I'd probably say the same thing especially when he was 20 but we asked him about social media we asked him about what he's doing off the pitch and exactly what a professional should be doing really you know, he's not like it's it's playing a bit of computer games it's going out for a, the restaurant with his wife uh, with his missus um, not married, um, very focused on, on what he's doing. And I, I, I'm sure you'd be the same if it was a Blues. I'm sure there's a lot of Arsenal fans. You want your players to be living, breathing football as the professionals that they are and focused on being better, um, really grounded, really you know focused. And that's exactly what you want. So I, I was actually, you know, I came out of it. I went into it very looking forward to it. And I came out of it thinking, Ooh. and then that was on the Wednesday on the Thursday, he scores against Wolves. Um, and then he scores that great goal against West Ham as well. And you're like, you see that picture of him, Mainu and Ganacho, and you think, oh, let's hope they can continue to grow and keep their heads 
grounded because that's what it's all about. We've seen plenty of players across the decades who are talented and, you know, maybe fall into the wrong uh, mistakes and the wrong people around them. That's the big thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, I just think in terms of Man United, it's great because if you can have that core group of like, those players could really lead Manchester United going forward, the four or five mm. of them that we've mentioned there. And as fans, you just get, if they're a product of your academy, immediately you get behind it. They also get a bit of leeway when times aren't going so well. So for Eric Ten Hag, I think it's great. And in, and in terms of the interview, like you said, it's exactly what you want to see. Testament to what you've done as well at the United stand because it's all, all, not the culmination of like what you guys have done, but it just sort of shows how much how aware he is of the presence of what you do and what's and social media as well to sort of know that's a great platform to him to just get himself out there and introduce himself a bit more well also look they don't have to listen to it and I'm sure some players wouldn't but you know obviously before the cameras are rolling and afterwards you're having a little bit of a chat we didn't have a lot of time and I was saying look you know you won't appreciate just how much the fans are behind you as a new signing and they want you to succeed and that's really important because what fans want from players now is basically somebody that's just going to, you know, focus, grow, give everything. And we can see that on the pitch from the likes of you and Mainu and Ganacho. And I said to him, look, I'm no Man City fan. But when you listen to Erling Haaland, when he's just won the treble and he's asking Thierry Henry what he'd do to improve his game, you know that that's a player that is absolutely focused on his football. and. You know, when he retires, maybe he will go clubbing, maybe he will go partying, but he certainly isn't doing that at the moment. And that's what I think that's what every football fan wants from their footballer now. I think there was a time when we, you know, there was this, oh, look at him doing that brand deal, doing that. But I think, you know, people like Pep and Klopp have took the Premier League to a different level now where it can compete with, with, with the Real Madrid's, etc. And I think fans just want, I think fans want to see footballers now as what they are, professional athletes. If someone's training for the London Marathon in April, they're not down the pub on a Friday night having 10 pints and a curry. And I think that, you know, the the modern footballer and the modern football fan, you need to be in tune with them as to what they expect and what they want and how they'll support you if you do that. And uh, yeah, it's um, be interesting to see if United can cultivate that type of a mentality because they certainly haven't done for the last decade. No, it's exciting, isn't it? Good interviews there. We've got some more to come as well. So, I mean, people can knock fan media, fan entertainment, whatever you want to call it, but those are where the brands, the clubs, you know, know that the engagement's there, the following's there, and I think that's the only way it's going to go. Well, well, I had this conversation with someone the other day. If you take any news outlet in the UK where they're turning up to press conferences, these journalists, with all due respect, they're very good at what they do, but you take any of those outlets, I don't need to name them, right? Their, their their monthly viewership, if they're lucky for football content, will be four or five million. Well, the United stands hitting 20 million in a month. So, you know, they don't have the reach. They don't have the audience. And um, it's the new world now. So I don't know what... I don't really get what people's issue is with people like ourselves interacting with clubs and players because it's the new world the, 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 the audience and interest is here and that's that's what media's always been newspapers used to have a dictatorship it's not that world now well and also we spoke about it privately as well it's just sort of getting that trust as well isn't it of like here's what we can do here's the opportunity you go and do the Hoyland thing you've smashed it and it would just be the snowball effect from there so more to come 
Uh, yeah, have we got any other topics to talk about? Are we now going straight into the quiz? No, well, also, we, you know, we've asked you a few questions for the Spotify audience as well to get involved with. Also, I'd like to throw in there what TV shows are you watching? That's just for me for a personal recommendation. But one that came up for either Raws, which we love your either Raws, whether it's Spotify, Twitter, YouTube comment section, get involved. Great one here, just for a little bit of nostalgia to tickle your pickle. Um, Neymar or Ronaldinho, who would you rather have in their prime for that one season of just pure magicness? It's easy for me. It's easy for me. It's not even close for me. I'd be interested to see what you think and others think. It's Ronaldinho. I mean, look, Neymar's a good footballer. There's no doubt about it. But I, I've seen these players and Ronaldinho for me was, oh, he was so close to joining United as well. But what a talented player. And I think Ronaldinho, TV coverage has changed. You could watch Ronaldinho, but you couldn't watch it as much as you can watch any player now. And I think... Mm. There's a lot of Ronaldo. I mean, it's all there, but there's a lot of Ronaldinho that when he wasn't playing play the Premier League, obviously, but there was a lot he was doing that probably didn't get the focus that you would get if you were an Mbappe or a Neymar now. I think for me, Ronaldinho is just miles ahead, miles and miles ahead. And look, it's, it's, it's 22 years ago since he scored that goal in the World Cup as well. It was quite a long time ago that he was playing. He was playing with R9. So no, it's Ronaldinho for me. I like Neymar. I do think he's a little bit overhyped because he's the Brazilian player that's good at the moment. And I think that is an interesting question. What does Brazilian football do when Neymar retires? Because I think they always have to have a player to pin it on. But Ronaldinho for me. Yeah, I just think in terms of like pure magic and those pure like... It was the only player that ever made me buy a pair of Knight Legends. Obviously, I was nowhere near the ability skill or anywhere near anything, so I don't know why I bought them. But also, like even at the back end of his career, like I remember he sunk a free kick against Portsmouth in the UEFA UEFA League UEFA Cup back then. And I just think pure magic, pure, and also part of his brilliance and downfall was what made him so good as well because of like his carefree attitude, which probably mm. you know curtailed his career. But that just added to his on-field magic. Yep, let us know whether you agree with that one or not. Um, Okay, uh, let's move on to guess who. Uh, What's the scores on the doors, Miss Ford? Yes, Miss Ford here, live and direct. Um, It's Goldbridge 7, Brazier 3 still. The four-point gap was maintained after a brilliant performance by Mark guessing Rob Lee on the second or third guess last week. A true cat-in-the-hat performance. He wasn't even trying. He was trying to give me the win. I couldn't even take those points. So there's a four-point gap there. Goldbridge is another beast entirely, so make sure you listen to Friday's episode because there is drama ahead. But, Mark, as the winner, the leader, the victor, would you like to go first or second with your clues? I know we said uh, Arsenal roast Liverpool, but you're getting a double roasting, aren't you? You're miles behind in this. You're miles behind in Goldbridge. If people didn't like you, you could say that Will he be here for next year? Because you know you don't want to get humiliated in both quizzes. It's got to it's got to be a bit closer at some point. Not my words, the words of the chat. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to go first. Okay, so number clue number one for Will: thirty-two appearances for Arsenal. Um, I'll go for Danny Welbeck. Oh, good guess. No. Clue two. 176 appearances for West Ham. Mm. Um, 
176 appearances for West Ham. Oh, is it a keeper? No, a keeper. Can't think of anything coming to my head. I really do just, I used to be so, It's the, when we do the fill-in, those questions are so quick and direct. I think it's, it's pressure, this format of quiz I suffer from. Yeah. Um, for Arsenal, West Ham, 176 for West Ham. Oh, oh, I think I've got it. I think I've actually got it. Is it Matthew Upson? No. <laughs> I, thought oh! I thought you got it as well. You probably will get it now because uh, I thought you were going to, I did think you were going to get it the way you were talking. Um, so sandwiched in between, he's played for three clubs in uh, English football, even though this club's not English. Uh, he played, he had 32 appearances for Arsenal. He moved to Swansea where he played 149 games. And then he's now at West Ham, 176 games. Uh, and he did play against United on Sunday. Oh. I actually can't. I actually, I'm real blank. I'm starting to panic. I don't know if I'm having a stroke. I think guess who um, is... Um, the, the amount of people in the chat who will, who will, who will have probably got this by now. Feel for him. Um, I think it's like rabbit in the headlights zone, really. This is because, why he wouldn't uh, survive you know, my dream. He would not have survived my I'm dream. I'm like Reed Van Nistelrooy. Um, hang on a minute. Definitely not cheating here. Um, Just why he's uh, figuring this out. This is Fabianski. Yeah. This is why he wouldn't have survived my dream. It's the panic in the moment. That, that bloke jumps out from the bush and he, he just goes finished I'm like Billy the Kid no I'd no be alright in that no talking just I didn't it might not even he might have not even been Gary Neville's mate he might have been a stalker still getting one in the neck um alright yeah it was Fabianski uh next clue was going to be Polish um 57 caps never scored in his career so you were on the you know Brilliant. on the second one you sort of talked yourself out of it because you said Goalkeeper, nah. Keeper. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I've got to get it nice. in three. Uh, yeah. Um, I played for England nine times, scored one goal between 2001 and 2003. Uh, you love England scored one goal, nine yeah, caps. You love France. Uh, yeah, it's Fabianski's not French. England, one cap, 01 to 03. Nine caps. No, nine caps, one goal. Nine caps, one goal. Oh, one to oh, three. Oh, God. Danny Mills. Incorrect. Um, my sort of my first club was Crew Alexandra, where I made one hundred and thirty-four appearances, scoring twenty-seven goals. Danny Murphy. Fuck it now. I just, I'm very, actually very good at this game. You know how I knew this? Actually, Knowledge. Oh, she's speechless. Knowledge. I was listening to the radio. Yeah, he's in your head like never lives. You'll be dreaming of him chasing yeah. you out of a pub later. And I'll be I was there going, leave him alone! I listened to the radio the other day and he was on with Goldstein and I was like, I ain't listening to these two. I can't stand them. So I flicked magic on 
and it was bloody um, the bangles who I don't like. So I had to turn it back. It was a choice. And then he's there going, well, I started my career at Crew Alexandra. And I was like, so it's stuck in my head. There you go. Yeah. Haters well, going to hate. This is terrible, Will. Yeah, that's cost me there. So that's 8-3. Oh, yeah. Real low point, this. I thought, I, well, well. Still, still a few weeks to go. I'd like to, I'd like to offer you up Goldbridge, but you're miles behind in that as well. I don't mind about losing well, this. As, Go on. as of release, it's just my birthday. Is it? Yeah. Why don't you tell me it's your birthday? Tuesday. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I would have let you win if I'd known that. I'd have let you know if it, that. I, I'd, I'd have said something like... Uh, don't worry, you've not forgot. This would have been your birthday one. I present on match of the day and I'm the Premier League top goal scorer. You'd have gone, oh, Gary Lineker, Gary Lineker. No. My first name's Alan. Alan McAnally. Yeah. No. It's Alan Shearer. <laughs> oh. yeah. Maybe can do that one next week. Very good. Uh, anyway, there's lots yeah. for you to get involved in in the chat. Really enjoyed the show today. And uh, yeah, really, really, really good. Uh, if you want to check out that Rasmus Hoyland interview, by the way, check it out on the United Stand YouTube. Rasmus, it was... Uh, Give it, a, give it, a, give it, a, give it a listen. Uh, we're obviously going to be back on Friday. Well, you've got me worried about Goldbridge on Friday now because you're acting like you've done well, and I know I have. Well, just let, let's just say I've been speaking to a few different people, had a few clarifications come through, and don't be asking me at the end of this podcast, "Oh, what's going on?" Just you sit down, strap yourself in, and wait. Well, I know Calvert Lewin's goal is not allowed. I already know Calvert Lewin's yeah, goal is not allowed. Yeah, that's, and that's fine, Mark. So just. Well, I don't know what you're worrying about. You're so far ahead. You've won both. So Rasmus, well, I know Rasmus scored say, as well. Yeah, and hopefully by the end of this week or the start of next week, we'll have something to reveal to you regarding the podcast, which will revolutionise it. And then also we'll be able to reveal the punishment for Goldbridge as well, which will make things spicy. Yeah, I mean, it would be hilarious if I had to do the forfeit, but I think we all know it's going to be Will. And personally, I think that's even funnier because I'll just be laughing while I film it. Uh, anyway, thanks everyone for watching. Absolute legends. Loads for you to get involved in. As we said, uh, what's the worst, weirdest dream you've ever had? We might read some of those out next week. Uh, also, phones, should they be banished in certain situations? And what situations would you ban them? Uh, for, for me, it no, I can't tell you. That would be very X-rated. But also, lots of football either-ors and lots of stuff to get involved in. Shout out to Will. It's not his fault. He panics um, when he plays Guess Who, but uh, he's you know he's up against the legend of the game. Yeah, I think I might start taking some sort of you know performance enhancing drugs just before the quiz starts, so I can really focus my mind and energy to make a big comeback. But until then, Mark, I'll see you soon, pal. All right. Yeah, you take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.